It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. So what's going on? Welcome to the show. It is November 18th, 2020. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time uh, encountering the program, thanks so much for checking it out. I do appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons like Paul, Meredith, Dennis, Jonathan, Rebecca and Taylor, Yuri, LL, David, Patty and Trudy. Thanks so much for all of your support. Couldn't do the program without you. Also, today's show is presented by Growers Hemp, growershemp.com. People take CBD oil for all sorts of reasons. Uh, I take Grower's Hemp CBD oil every night before I go to bed, and when I fall asleep, I sleep deeper than I ever have before, and I can tell the difference. I can tell the difference, by the way, when I don't take it. Some nights I'll forget. I can tell when I don't take it. Uh, So what are you looking for? Better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, positive mental outlook, immune system resilience, Uh, lower tension. So add the natural alternative, growers, hemp, full spectrum, hemp extract, add it to your daily routine and uh, discover what your reasons are and see uh, how it affects you. Because like I now can't imagine not going to sleep with it. Um, The best quality at a price that is affordable. How do they do it at growers hemp? Well, they maintain complete control of the process from seed all the way to shelf Uh, So you get the best quality for lower prices. They also know that people have a lot of questions about CBD. So Growers Hemp will guide you every step along the way. They want you to be happy and satisfied. They have the drops that I take. They also have uh, like lozenges or suckers. They have uh, balm as well. So like a topical that you can use. Now, as with all CBD products, you got to say this, GovCo requires it, that these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. You can look for the Growers Hemp ad at Our State Magazine on newsstands now. Uh, you can also find it on the shelves at Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby, Medical Pharmacy in Locust, Durham's Co-op. Um, also, their website, growershemp.com. I know like a lot of people would never want to walk into uh, one of the shops that have, you know, popped up all over the state. So just go to the website and you can get all the information there. And if you use the promo code Pete, you get 20% off. Okay. Growershemp.com. From North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and his communications team, they are directing COVID coverage via their twice-a-week briefings. I'm not sure people have kind of realized this yet, but every time they do a briefing, they highlight one item that they want the news media to cover, and then the news media does. I know, it's shocking, but they do. Um, (laughs) And yesterday, and there there are many reasons for this, by the way, the uh, the most obvious and, uh, well, 
yes, there is sometimes some there is news value in what it is that the governor is announcing. Like if they're saying, you know, we're we're going to another phase, we're easing restrictions, we're tightening restrictions. That's obviously, you know, newsworthy. But some days, like the news conference uh, yesterday, and I hate I, I, I start I call them briefings really because they're not even news conferences. Yes, they take questions, but the questions are. You've heard me rail against the way he manages and his comms team manage the uh, these these briefings. So you end up with with reporters that are dialing in on the phone and they're getting to ask one question. Uh, they then can hit the five button and get a follow up or something. And then, by the way, they don't ever use it as an actual follow up. They use it to ask a completely different question. So you end up now with reporters from preferred outlets that get two questions versus uh, people who are at, you know, the double plus ungood media outlets, they don't get to ask any questions. And so you just end up hearing the same kinds of questions over and over and over again. I've got, and I, I live tweet this, by the way, I watch this stuff. So you don't have to, I pull some audio and I have some clips we'll hear, but, um, the questions, like you would not be able to tell really, you would not be able to tell when the questions are being asked, whether it was today, whether it was last month, whether it was six months ago. Because all the questions are basically the same, which is, tell us what you're going to do in the future. What might happen that's going to influence your decision in the future? That's what all of these questions uh, seem to be. And uh, they they all kind of uh, tap into this, you know, forward-looking, speculative nature, and it really doesn't have a lot of value. But I understand why that occurs. A lot of these reporters they don't have time nor maybe the inclination or ability to uh, go and find the information from a science perspective and be able to press the governor and his secretary of health and human services, Dr. Mandy Cohen, and press her on the science. All they keep saying is the science and the data are directing all of their decisions, but nobody ever asks them about the science. Here's a good one. This is very simple too. compliance with the mask mandate. Do we have any idea what the compliance rates are for the mask mandate? Have you seen any kind of analysis about that? No, there hasn't been. The governor and his uh, health secretary, neither one of them have given us any information about compliance with masks. Who's wearing them? How often? What's the saturation like? Like, we don't know any of this. It's all anecdotal. I'm going to get to this because this is really important for what they just announced at the briefing yesterday. Okay, Uh, so they are directing news coverage. This is the key takeaway from this. They direct the news coverage. Yesterday, it was the new color coded map that is on the DHHS COVID data dashboard. They've got a map and all of the counties are different colors, red, orange and yellow. Red is bad. Yellow is less bad and orange is kind of medium bad. Okay. Um, so, yeah, because so what, by the way, we talked about this last week. Yeah, last week, I think it was when we were talking about how ABC 11, uh, the TV station, did a, a story about how the red counties where Trump visited or that or that voted for Trump rather uh, had higher surges for COVID cases in the last two weeks. And I went to the dashboard. I could see the counties. They had all these. They were all like red and stuff and different shades of red. 
And I looked at this the other day. Now, maybe they've tweaked something, and so this warranted a big announcement. But this was the focus of their press conference, sorry, the the briefing that they held yesterday. So the new color-coded map um, is the story that Cooper and Cohen wanted to promote. And so that's the story that got done. News and Observer. Headline, red, orange, and yellow, NC launches new county alerts to help curb COVID-19 surges. Now, think about this. The argument being uh, uh, proposed here by Cohen and Cooper is that this graphic of the state with all the counties in red, orange, or yellow color coding, that that is going to reduce the case counts and hospitalizations. Having this map is going to stem the surge although they don't call it a surge remember they're they're very they're very quick to say they're we're not seeing a surge in north carolina because stuff that they did has been working so yes we're seeing increases and yes these increases in the case counts and hospitalizations they're higher than they were even back in march but not a surge surges and spikes are what occur in other states okay we don't have that kind of action going on here thank you very much because of governor cooper's you know, strong leadership on this issue. So News and Observer says, uh, you know, here are the maps. Uh, NC launches new alerts. Uh, Governor, Here's ABC 11. Governor Cooper unveils COVID-19 county alert system, pushes counties to curb spread. WRAL's headline, NC rolls out county alert system to illustrate severity of pandemic. And then they even did a follow-up with Wilson Uh, reacting to uh, being a red zone on the new COVID-19 map, which prompted the Wilson County Health Director, Teresa Ellen, uh, to say on Twitter uh, that the map is, quote, in no way an indication that numbers have suddenly changed or that we are not exercising good strategies to control the spread. uh, Citizens should continue to practice the three W's. So you have the local health director saying, okay, look, just because they've done a color-coded map here, it doesn't mean that we're not doing good strategies. So so what is this? What is she saying? Without saying, by the way. Viruses are going to behave like viruses behave. This is virus season. This is their habitat, right? This is their environment that they that they uh, that they spread more easily in. Everybody knew this was coming. Everybody understood that the case counts were going to go up during this season. Unless, of course, you believed that if everybody just wore a mask, then that was going to curtail it. That was that was never going to be the case. Just like with the you know flatten the curve, it was never going to be the case that flattening the curve equals no new virus spread. All it did was just squeeze out that the big bulge and just push it out over a longer period of time. That's all it did. WRAL, here's their story. State officials on Tuesday rolled out a system to show North Carolina's coronavirus hotspots to ratchet up pressure on counties where the virus is spreading rapidly and in danger of overrunning healthcare resources. So, and this was explicit. You'll hear from the governor that they're saying we're doing this map in order to try to pressure people at the local level to basically take it more seriously because they're not taking it seriously. So what is he saying? He and Cohen are blaming local citizens, businesses, governments, law enforcement agencies, right? He's blaming all of us 
because, you know, he did the mask mandate and he set these restrictions and he put caps on uh, restaurants and such. By the way, if you're going to reduce the capacity limit for the social gatherings, why wouldn't you reduce the capacity limits at restaurants? Because if the idea here is that everybody's hanging out in a, you know, like Thanksgiving, everyone's going to be crowded around the table for Thanksgiving, which is weird because I thought once you sit down at the table to eat, then COVID goes away. That was the premise why the restaurants were allowed to operate. So I don't understand why uh, why for some reason it, it, the spread doesn't happen in the restaurants when you're sitting at the table eating, but it does occur at the house when you're sitting at the table eating. Anyway, these are just some questions that I have. Now, if you have questions about what tool to use for your next project, maybe you don't know. You know you need a tool, but you're not sure which kind of tool to use for the project. Go over to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, and they can help you with this. They can help guide you to select the right tool for the job that you are uh, looking to do. Also, they will show you how to use the tool. And it's a rental, so you just bring it back. And um, by the way, if you're a general contractor and you know the value of tools, you can get a tool that you need for a specific job from General Equipment Rental without having to, you know, to buy it. Now, if you are in the market to buy some yard equipment, then uh, General Equipment Rental is your licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Uh, They also do equipment service and repair, by the way. So keep them in mind for all of your equipment needs. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family owned and operated for three generations. And, oh, uh, they have the Husqvarna automower. 10% 10% off while supplies last on this uh while supplies last on this. Um the auto mower, this thing is so cool. Uh, I say it looks like the Batmobile. It's like a Roomba for your yard. It just rides all around and it cuts the grass like so it's the same length all the time, same height. You never have to worry about it again. If you've got somebody in your life that does all the yard mowing but isn't really thrilled about doing all the yard mowing, this is the gift for them for Christmas, okay? The Husqvarna auto mower while supplies last. 10% off at General Equipment Rental. Go to the website, generalrents.com. That's generalrents.com. And think outside your toolbox. So the story that the Cooper administration wants to tell is they have a new map, and the new map is going to convince counties to take this thing more seriously and convince people to take this more seriously. That is the story that the news media is happy to tell because it fills the news hole. Oh, and it has a graphic. It's got a graphic. Look at this. And you could like hover over different counties and see your county and see what the stats are for your county. That's what we call localizing a story. WRAL says North Carolina has repeatedly set new records in recent weeks in terms of new infections. Don't get me started on that, though. That's the PCR issue. And all you're doing is just testing and testing and testing. And people are tripping positive. That doesn't make them infectious. It just means you found some remnant strands of dead particles, RNA of the virus. OK, um, on Tuesday, uh, they, we had the second highest one day total of hospitalizations in the pandemic. Now, this is also important. Because there there was a change in the official federal guidance on what to classify as a hospitalization. And people who were brought in for observation only prior to 
uh, I think last month, they were not being counted as hospitalizations, and now they are. So I think that would be important. I don't know. That seems like a, a data kind of a question that maybe somebody could ask the governor, but they didn't, of course. They didn't. Um, uh, WRAL says that the surge in cases has pushed uh, the seven-day rolling average to 2,865 new cases per day over the last week, um, and uh, that tops the record set on Monday. So the case counts are going up, hospitalizations are going up, which, again, was to be expected because this is the virus season. This surge in cases was to be expected. Oh, well, okay, wait. Now that's WRAL using that term, which, you know, Cooper and Cohen, they say our numbers are not surging. North Carolina's COVID-19 numbers remain too high. Our percent positive has crept back up to around 8%. The weekend saw our highest day of reported cases, and today we have the highest rate of hospitalizations since the pandemic began. These are numbers we cannot ignore. But other states have been even worse right now, and they should be the canary in the coal mine for us. Last week, we took action to lower our indoor gathering limit to 10 people because we know this virus spreads more easily indoors. Capacity limits remain in place for retail stores, restaurants, entertainment venues, and other businesses. We continue to tell people to wear masks and stay distant and stress enforcement of those critical rules. Today, we're introducing a county alert system to identify North Carolina counties with the highest levels of community spread and offer specific recommendations for how working together with us can bring down their numbers. Counties of concern are designated as red, orange, or yellow, using a combination of three specific metrics that Dr. Mandy Cohen, our Secretary of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, will detail in just a minute. These are from the same set of metrics that we use every week to give an update on how North Carolina is doing with COVID-19. The system will help our counties make decisions about what more can be done to slow the spread of the virus. The system also includes additional recommendations for individuals, businesses, community organizations, and public officials on actions that they should take. Simply put, this new county alert system shows our state's viral hotspots. But let me be clear. Okay. The entire state is experiencing widespread transmission. Cases across the country are surging right now, overwhelming some hospitals, forcing states to go backward with their COVID-19 restrictions. Right now, North Carolina's metrics are increasing, not surging. All right. So just I need to point this out. The increase in cases does not force more restrictions, okay? Those are decisions that are made by government actors, by human beings, by people. These are decisions that they are making. And uh, more and more evidence has come out that these decisions on lockdowns have been very, very detrimental to people's health. We're going to get into this uh, more with John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation uh, in a couple minutes here. Uh, First, Cooper says that if we're going to keep going in the wrong direction with these numbers, we could impose more restrictions or he could impose more restrictions. He says we need people to treat this like the deadly threat that it is. 
but people are getting lax. He says, we can't let weariness win. Giving up now is like punting from the 10-yard line. It's just foolish, he said. Scale back your holiday plans. Let's stick with what we know works. The three W's, he says. By the way, there is no survey about mask compliance. I mentioned this earlier. How does he know that mask compliance has declined? How does he know this? Months ago, he was asked at a press conference if people were following his mandate, and he cited purely anecdotal evidence, not even evidence, that, well, you know, people I know and the staff that I know, they've gone out and uh, they seem to uh, see a lot of people wearing them. And that was it. There isn't any kind of actual analysis about mask compliance going on here. An effort to really try to get more compliance with the requirements that we already have in place can help us curb the spread. You know, if we're, if we're having, if we're struggling getting compliance, just laying on more requirements may not have the desired effect, particularly with a population that's been going through this for almost nine months now and is tired. But what we're trying to do is re-energize the people of our state to say, look, we've got vaccines coming that we know can help us substantially reduce the spread and to help get us back to normal. And they're around, they're, they're, they're coming soon. And let's bridge this gap here. Let's, let's re-energize ourselves to say we've got to do the things that we need to do, even though they may be inconvenient of wearing a mask and staying socially distant. All right, I just want to say, if you're trying to re-energize people, maybe Roy Cooper is not the guy you want cheerleading that effort. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's really important for us to do so that we don't have to add on additional requirements. We will do what we need to do to protect the health and safety of North Carolinians. We think that this is the most effective approach at the moment. Dr. Cohen, would you want to add to that? I want to reiterate that there is widespread um, viral transmission across our state. You'll notice that every single county has a color, whether that's yellow, orange, or red. So I, I want to make sure that folks are taking the precautions that they need to no matter what county they live in. We have to focus on masks. We have to focus on keeping our gatherings under 10. I'm particularly worried as we head into Thanksgiving when we know folks want to gather together. And just as a reminder about Thanksgiving, um, if you are going to travel or get together, keep it small, keep it outside, wear masks all the time, and consider getting a test ahead of Thanksgiving. So those are the recommendations from Andy Cohen. Are you going to follow those? All right, here's my recommendation. Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. Winter is coming. Time for cold weather gear and clothing. Military-grade thermal underwear in all sizes. Uh, Wool sweaters, military field jackets in solid green and camouflage. Wool and fleece toboggans and socks and Gore-Tex jackets. Old Grouch's has everything you need for the winter. Whether you work outside or you're a hunter, this is heavy-duty warm clothing for a lot cheaper than you're going to find at most outdoor stores. So go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street. The shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, plus also tons of real U.S. military surplus, and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. 
Are Governor Cooper's executive orders having devastating health effects? That's the question asked by John Sanders. He is the research editor and director of regulatory studies at the John Locke Foundation. And John, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Pete. Thanks for having me back on. Certainly. So uh, this question of the uh, health effects of the lockdown orders, these executive orders that Governor Cooper has issued, uh, this is, interestingly enough, an element of the COVID-19 coronavirus story I don't see covered very much in media. Um, And I darn sure never hear anybody ask the governor these types of questions in his COVID news briefings, which, uh, so this is Thursday, uh, or sorry, this is Wednesday, so this would have been uh, the press briefing on Tuesday. You and I both watched that, and nobody asked about this either. No, it's it's sort of an emerging complaint, uh, an emerging concern about uh, the governor, well, lockdown orders across the, the world, really, um, in response to COVID. Um, I mean, pretty much worldwide, different nations and different states reacted to this pandemic with, you know, let's lock everything down, um, 15 days to stop the spread, 30 days to stop the spread. We want to uh, limit um, the amount of infections to keep the hospitals to flatten the curve, to keep the hospitalizations low. And these things sort of took on a life of their own. Maybe they felt sort of like a, a, um, a security blanket for people or, or governors really got to, to, to learn that they enjoyed having this kind of power. I don't know. Um, but the problem is it's, it's become part of the story, and experts worldwide have started speaking out and saying these are also having negative health effects, and some of them we won't really see the long-term effects of these for years. Uh, people are, are, were for a while not able to go to hospitals because they were reserving all hospitals um, for the expected surge in coronavirus cases, and so any kind of surgery or or just routine checkups for cancers or heart disease or or hypertension different kinds of things were not really checked up on and these could be um, yielding greater problems in the future Um, people are suffering from anxiety depressive disorders from losing their jobs from having their 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 businesses basically shut down um or just dealing with all of the fear and worry of what's going on. Um, there's been greater increase of suicides uh, and thoughts of suicide and greater increase in, in drug and alcohol substance abuse. Right. And so one of the uh, questions, and I think we've been talking uh, since the beginning of this pandemic, and it's kind of this is not new information or new questions, I should say, for me. I don't think it is for you either. I think we've discussed some of this over the course of these uh, of the pandemic. Um, and I'm I'm genuinely curious as to why nobody asks the governor about these types of issues, that there are all of these side effects. And he at the pre at the, the latest briefing, he kind of says, well, you know, everybody's kind of weary of this, which is I don't know if that's like the understatement of the pandemic. Yeah, people are weary of it. And I see it in political discussions. I see it in my personal life. I think there are people who are not dealing mentally very well with what's been going on and uh, and, and the lockdown orders. And 
Um, then, I mean, layer into that, you've got the elderly who are being essentially put into solitary confinement uh, for months and months and months. That's not mentally healthy for them. Um, and nobody seems interested to know if the governor has thought about this or if it's weighed on him, if if he weighs it at all. Um, and are you aware of, of any kind of insight into the governor or his administration's thinking on that aspect or this aspect that we're talking about? I'm not personally aware of anything um, coming from them and concerns about those sorts of things. You know, I could hazard a guess, but I really, you know, right. it, it wouldn't serve any good. I, I have no idea what he's thinking along those lines, but it would be nice if someone were to pressure him. However, that kind of dovetails into another problem for North Carolina with regard to this aspect in that the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, which is run by Mandy Cohen, is notoriously late in reporting deaths data to the Centers for Disease Control. So the CDC doesn't get data from North Carolina. Uh, we're, we're now over two months behind. I just checked um, after I wrote this piece last week saying that we were two months behind. They still haven't updated from last week. Um, we're at August 29th where we've partially reported. The rest of the United States, with the exception of a couple of states that are just a few weeks behind the rest of the United States, is it October 31st? So we are more than two months behind reporting these numbers to to uh, the CDC. So we don't know where we stand in terms of deaths. Uh, so if if things are going on, we can't see it. So the governor can't know. So this is uh, excess deaths we're talking about, not COVID deaths, right? These are excess deaths. So I guess we should probably define for folks listening, what are excess deaths? Okay, so, so in a nutshell, the CDC has a very useful tool for helping determine if something unusual is happening in a jurisdiction um, that, that's especially useful for like uh, a pandemic or a really bad flu or something like that. And that's excess deaths because it's hard to determine if there's a flu pandemic like COVID, what's causing the death because the, the way the death certificates could be read, it could be, you know, you died from complications from pneumonia, you died from, from, uh, from heart disease, you died from, but it could have been onset by, by COVID mm-hmm. or by the flu of 2018, for example. Uh, so, this just lumps them all together, and it compares it with um, a rolling average of what the deaths should be expected to be in that week, so what the average expected amount of deaths would be, and then there's a threshold, a statistical threshold higher above that is considered excess deaths. That means it's not only above average, but it's so high above average that we're pretty doggone sure that something bad's going on and we need to investigate, find out what it is. So with COVID, we've been having excess deaths. But taking those numbers, I've been able to see that even if you subtract out the COVID deaths from North Carolina's death rate, we've been having above average deaths most of these weeks. And in a few weeks in July, we've had excess deaths that don't relate to COVID deaths, which tells me something else is going on. And as you mentioned, the numbers are not updated uh past what now two months ago 
So whatever has been occurring for the last two months, we don't even know. Those numbers could have gone off the charts by now, but we have no idea. Yeah, and that's my concern is if if these things, if we are still seeing excess deaths that could be from from ill effects from lockdowns and, and the governor's shutdowns and some of these things, um, in addition to excess deaths because of COVID, we won't know. And therefore, the governor and DHHS cannot take appropriate actions to stem those. So why? Um, well, let me ask it this way. Why? Uh, why would you have people not locked down if the surge and the spike is occurring now? We've got more cases and everybody expected that there would be an increase in the in the wintertime now because uh, the you know viruses love this weather for some reason. And so uh, why would you? Uh, say, hey, we're having all these excess deaths. We shouldn't do lockdowns because this is having all these excess deaths right at the time when we're probably going to have to have some lockdowns because otherwise a lot of people are going to get sick from COVID and die, right? So we've never really approached an illness like this with lockdowns. I mean, this is completely novel. And the you know people bought into it and, and there were there were strong arguments made at the outset, especially with regards to curbing hospitalizations. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospitalizations never, ever approached the level that people were concerned about back in March at the, at the outset of this thing. Um, so the fact of the matter is that this virus is a virus, and we don't know what's causing it. We don't know. The governor does not have the, the, the kind of power to prevent the virus from spreading. So we, we have this kind of theater where he gets out and he says, well, the reason it's spreading is people are just getting tired of, of dealing with the mandates and people are getting lazy. And there's no reason to assume that that's the case at all because it's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're either supposed to think it's happening equally in North Carolina and in other states that have mask mandates and other kinds of, of, of uh, restrictions on people, as well as in Florida and Georgia where they don't have the mask mandates and where where they don't have as many of, of the restrictions as they do in some other states. I mean, if you were to look at it just, just in that way, what we're seeing is the virus is behaving like a virus. More with John Sanders in a minute. First, let me tell you about Mattress Man and their Black Friday deals going on right now. Store-wide, well, stores-wide, because they've got four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. You can go check this out on their website as well, mattressmanstores.com. So first, they have the triple zero deal. Zero money down, zero APR for 24 months, and zero payments for 90 days. Okay, so that's a great deal. Plus, you can get yourself a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress. These are the uh, the mattresses that are used in the hotel and the inn that are at the Biltmore estate. And uh, these mattresses are made in Fayetteville. This is the latest line from Restonic, and you're only going to find it at Mattress Man. Also, how about a free adjustable base so you can raise the head, raise the feet of the bed, all with a wireless remote? Talk about comfort, right? Also, how about a queen-sized gel hybrid mattress, a bed in a box, just two ninety nine? This is a great idea if you've got people coming in from out of town, violating Roy Cooper's orders, and uh, coming for the holidays, and you want to put them up, and you want to have a mattress for them. 
Get a bed in a box from Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. Let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. Okay, locally owned and operated, five-star local delivery service. They ship nationwide, and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So what of the argument that lockdowns help in the sense that if you can limit people's exposure to each other for a certain amount of time, then you can short-circuit the spread? Right. Because I guess theoretically, and I said this at the very beginning when uh, they first went into these lockdowns, I said, look, you could theoretically put everybody in a prison cell segregated from everybody else and um, do that for a month. And if everybody on the planet were to do that for a month, I guess the virus would probably die off. Um, but we can't do that. <laughs> so, um, <Right. laughs> to, But to some degree, isn't there some logic behind the lockdown idea uh, that if we just segregate people and separate them, then uh, then it will limit the spread to some degree. Is there some logic to it? There is some logic to it. I mean, it's a it's a theory, and we've had nine months of testing this theory, and the theory's not really holding up. And so now we're at the point where we either say what we're doing is not working because now we're coming out and complaining that case numbers are rising and we're seeing greater risk than ever and things look so bad that we're just going to have to tell everybody to, to not have Thanksgiving and we're not going to tell you yet that we're just going to say not have Christmas because we're going to wait till after Thanksgiving to do that. Um, but so we are doing this. We had this theory and it doesn't seem to be holding. Plus we've, it's as if we've forgotten how the immune system works. We're waiting on a vaccine and, and pretending like that's going to be the be on and end all. But Dr. Fauci has already come out and said, you know, even with the vaccine, you're still going to need to wear your masks. This is a moving target that they've that they've given us. And it's completely out of out of phase with the way we've ever treated things like this. And it's having really terrible effects on our economy and on people's mental health. And physical health as well, as you mentioned, with these excess deaths uh, as well. You know, I don't right. know. It's going to be a long time before uh, we find out how many people died from not getting preventive care um, early on. You know, when they were canceling mammograms and cancer screenings and stuff like that, how many people actually uh, had cancer developed during the interim and uh, it became, you know, stage four and inoperable and untreatable in the meantime. How, how many of those people are there? I have no idea. How many people had heart attacks because they didn't go in for a physical? I don't know. Um, you mentioned here you've got uh, links in your piece to uh, various studies here from like the CDC where you say um, the survey found young adults 18 to 24 and uh, over 25% of young adults say that they had uh, they had seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days. That one out of four people between the ages of 18 and 24 have seriously considered it. Now, I assume that that is a very high number. That's shocking to me that people would that that many people are seriously considering suicide. But those numbers are up as well. Uh, and uh, again. Like I'm, I'm at a loss to understand why nobody sort of treats this like a story too. I guess 
and I know I'm asking you to kind of move away from regulatory studies here and into <laughs> sort of sociology and psychology, I guess. But uh, is is there a fear that simply entertaining this line of thinking is somehow going to lead to COVID deaths or something? Like, is that the fear that you're going to get blamed? Do you get blamed for, you know, fear mongering and trying to, you know, get people killed from COVID with your writings and stuff? I mean, I've had on occasion a couple of, of, of people snark at me on Twitter that, you know, you, you just don't care for people or whatever. And, you know, I'm just trying to ask the question that, you know, to me, a life is a life, a death is a death. So um, if we're having excess deaths from something else or from COVID, they should be treated as as deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't ascribe a moral weight to to one kind of death over another, so I don't understand that 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 viewpoint. But you know, I if I worried about people's criticism um, doing doing my kind of job, it it would cripple me. So I yeah. don't. No, I know the feeling. I just yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah you do. I mean, you just do the best the best you can do and make sure that that is truthful and accurate as best as you can be. Yeah. Um, and so you have another piece also called Businesses Are Closing Forever as Cooper Plays Favorites. Um, and this was interesting. You went to Yelp, and I use Yelp. I love the app. And um, you found roughly 4,000 businesses in the state have closed since March, and most of those are forever. They're not coming back. And um, the hardest hit are obviously restaurants, retail, um, and those are the ones that are particularly targeted by Governor Cooper's executive orders. Um, and so what what kind of impact does this have now on people's lives and, yes, the economy, but, you know, people who have, have spent their entire life building a business and now it's dead. Um, I suspect that has an impact. I, yeah, I do, too. Uh, um, and why I, I, um, I brought it up is. Uh, North Carolina is down over 267,000 jobs from September of this year, um, from September last year to September this year, um, and 115,000 of them were in the uh, leisure and hospitality sector, which is particularly affected. Um, the 60% of, I, I saw this figure in three different places, so it seems to be kind of a, a, a robust finding um a survey of raleigh businesses a survey of nc restaurants and um and yelp survey all all suggested about 60 percent of businesses that have closed just since march uh will likely stay closed and i worry that if with this talk that we've seen in other in other states and from cooper's press conference today of possibly resorting back to lockdowns and closing businesses again, that that percentage is going to go up and it's going to cause a lot of people who think that they had finally come around, come to the other side of it and they're back open. And now they're, they're fighting for their customers. They're fighting for their employees and they're fighting to keep their businesses open again. If they get shut down again, what's, why would they stay? Mm-hmm. Because at that point that would say, this is an ongoing thing. You have to build this into your expectations that at any point in time, if numbers take a dive, the governor is just going to close you again. We're speaking with John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation. And speaking of closing, you know who else does a lot of closing? 
Uh, that would be Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. She outsells 99% of the realtors in North Carolina. She is the only agent that I would use to sell a house or to buy a house. And in fact, we are buying a house. Christy and I are buying one now. And uh, the only call we made was to Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Here's the number. 333-4483. That's 333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. And she's the official Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville, which means if you are a police officer, firefighter, healthcare professional, educator, or member of the military, so veteran, active duty, or retired, you can keep 25% from the commission uh, buying or selling. Call Rowena Patton today, 333-4483, and start packing. The WHO, uh, not that I place a lot of confidence in them anymore, but the World Health Organization, they've actually, uh, you mentioned this in your first piece, that they've done an about face on lockdowns and shutdowns. Uh, why? What prompted that? Uh, they cited that there is significant harm, especially to the poor and the children from from lockdowns and shutdowns. And so they've gone from basically cautioning from lifting those too soon to saying that they that lockdowns and shutdowns ought to be restrictions of last resort you know if there's just absolutely no other recourse in your in your society to prevent it from being overwhelmed by the virus and 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 uh, ruining your hospitals etc only in that situation should you ever consider going back to lockdowns and shutdowns hmm. so um, the governor has taken some steps though right to, to help save some businesses i think uh what i think it was last week yeah probably about a week ago uh he made this announcement that there was going to be some money freed up in the commerce department i believe to to help with some uh, some grants to businesses these aren't loans right he was just going to hand out money uh to businesses so is that a, is that a good idea like he's shutting them down so here's a chunk of money well it, in that sense it's a band-aid and to me, just open them up. If you're really worried about about commerce in this state, then let them get back to the freedom that they had in February. And let's get let's get the state back back up and, and working. It's not as if everyone is just mindlessly going to throw caution to the wind. Um, people are going to take proper steps as they see fit in their own personal situations. Um, to to protect themselves and their family from the virus. Uh, businesses are going to be taking proper steps. I knew restaurant owners who who were making sure that their customers knew they were they were very serious about hygiene, cleansing the tables, um, cleansing uh, the silverware, maybe not even um, bringing new menus every time, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, all these kind of different steps. It's not as if if the governor hadn't said anything that people would just be blithely acting as if nothing was going on. But there are people that do, that are doing that, right? We, we we right, we you acknowledge, I acknowledge that there are people that believe this is all a hoax, right? They think that it doesn't exist, there isn't a virus and that all of these mitigation efforts are all designed to just control people. Yeah, yeah, I mean there's going to be there's going to be that that fringe element on on either side i mean there you know the the other side would be that you know just walking past someone with the virus means that they're going to catch it and die mm-hmm. <laughs> um so but but dealing with 
with most people are rational and most people are 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 going to try to take care of themselves so what they need is good information and they need a governor who will trust them with that information this is what we're used to in the United States of America and in North Carolina um, is is this kind of cooperative government and not a top-down dictatorship where everything is told to us and we must obey. Have you seen any kind of survey or analysis on the mask usage rates in this state? I have not. I have not seen any kind of analysis or examination of what percent of the population self-reports you know, their mask usage. And I guess I'm asking this because the governor seems to be under the impression that everybody's given up on the masks. Right. And and that's why we're seeing the spread. And I'm I'm curious if you know of any science that is behind that belief. I haven't seen anything that suggests that North Carolinians have given up on wearing the masks and and um and social distancing and washing their hands the way that uh, the, the governor came out today and pretended. Um, the science that I have read, or the studies, the, the studies that I have read um, about mask wearing and, and, and following these other protocols seem to suggest a very high rate, um, 80s, 90s percent. And that at least comports with what I see when I go to the grocery stores, when I go to restaurants, um, and, and when I would shoot, I was in blowing rock last week and walking in the mountains. Yeah. And I'm seeing a very high level of people wearing masks outside in the pure mountain air. <laughs> I saw the same when we went on a hike a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there were people we passed all along the trail and they were all wearing masks. I, I'm honestly flummoxed by that, but. It, you know, in the context of your question, that doesn't suggest that that people are are fatigued the way that the governor is saying. Um, it, it's it's almost as if he's he wants to blame people for the virus spiking again, and it's 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 because people are sinning um, and not and not obeying, and that's the real reason, and not the fact that maybe the governor cannot direct the uh, the outcome of a virus. Right. Well, he kind of has backed himself into a corner on this because he claimed credit for the mask mandate controlling the numbers earlier. So now with these numbers going up, it can only mean one thing, and that's people aren't wearing their masks, because if the masks control it, then there is no other alternative explanation, obviously. Right. So Ever since he imposed the mask mandate on June 26, he is he has extended it eight times, including last week. Every time he's extended the mask mandate, the uh, the daily average case numbers were higher than they were on June 26. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they keep going up. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Well, maybe somebody could ask him about that science or data. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, all right. Is there anything else on this that you'd like to add, John, before we let you go that you think is important or interesting for folks to know? 
I think it's important for people not to be so afraid. Yes, this is this is a virus. It's a novel coronavirus, and it it does have particularly bad health effects for the elderly and those with with um, certain other already ill health um, problems, especially lung problems. But in general, most of the people that you're going to meet don't have this virus, may never ever have had the virus. I've been putting together something every week that I call the the NC Threat-Free Index to show how many people that you might encounter in this state are virus-free, either because they've had it and they've recovered or mostly because they've never had a, a lab-confirmed case of it. And so this week, I just did it for this week, uh, 99.6% of the people you're going to meet in North Carolina um, are virus-free. So stop looking at people that you don't know as if they are crawling vectors of disease because they most likely aren't. Well, what if I've always looked at people like that, though? Well, that's a different matter. <laughs> I, I, bathe I mean, the social in... <laughs> distancing is easy for me. I don't like close talkers. Yeah. It's fine. I'm farsighted. It, that part's natural. I naturally just wash my hands as usual, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I bathe in hand sanitizer regularly. I mean, these are just the normal things that I do. So... <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, John Sanders, the research editor and director of regulatory studies uh, at uh, the John Locke Foundation. You could read his latest piece called Our Governor Cooper's Executive Orders Having Devastating Health Effects. Uh, It's at carolinajournal.com. John, always good to talk with you. Thanks for spending time with me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Pete. Always a pleasure. Alrighty, and that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, please subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way you can help me out. Give it a positive review as well. And maybe even consider becoming a patron of the program. Get cool stuff and exclusive content. Links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com. Thank you so much for your support. I do appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>